What's up world? Welcome to the Hustle and Motivate podcast. If you're searching for your purpose, trying to overcome a drug addiction, in debt or have massive dreams, but don't know where to begin, lost in life and want to make a change for the better, then this podcast is for you. Buckle up and let the motivation begin. Here is your host, Luke Mindpower. What's up everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode one, Hustle and Motivate podcast series. I am so excited. I am Luke Mind Power from Sydney, Australia, and I'm so excited to be doing this podcast. This is episode number one, as I mentioned, and I've never, ever done this kind of thing before. And one thing I love to go by is, uh, you know, you don't know what you don't know and if you don't know, you've got to give it a try. So if you've got something that you're thinking about doing that you're afraid to do simply because you don't know how to do it or you're just afraid because there's that fear, there's that negative conversation, there's that uncertainty in your mind that really, really starts to govern your life because you don't believe that it's possible. I'm here to tell you basically that it is possible and uh, you know you don't have to be great to start but you have to start if you want to be great. So welcome everybody. I want to just basically go back in time now because you're probably all wondering who the hell are you? Maybe you've uh, just connected with me recently. Maybe you've been following me on social media uh, for the last eight or nine months. Uh, but I want to give you a bit of a recap on my journey and how I actually got to be sitting in this spot right now doing a podcast on motivation, on hustling, on you know so many other aspects of my life uh, that have you know given me the confidence and the ability and the belief uh, to take action. And, uh, and truly, truly own who I am. So I was born in Newcastle, which is about an hour's, nah, it's about two hours actually, two hours drive from Sydney. And, uh, and when, my, when I was born, uh, my parents took about six months and then they moved to Sydney. And so basically I grew up in Sydney, Australia. I grew up in a suburb called Lakemba, which is... Um, which is still there now and uh, you know I drive past that street a fair bit sometimes when I'm driving and and I still see the house on Wanji Road that I used to live in and um, yeah I mean I went to St. John's Lakemba there in in that suburb and uh, I just I think about that time me being there and it's um it brings back a lot of memories you know I had a lot of Lebanese friends there was a big big Lebanese community there and, um, you know, I've, I really definitely felt, uh, you know, like I was the odd one out. And, and uh, you know, that brings me to the topic and the understanding of, um, you know, the diversity and, and how, uh, you know, multicultural um, Sydney is and Australia is in that matter. But, uh, but back in those days, uh, you know, my parents arrived from Poland in the 70s and so you know me being of European descent um, I remember going to school and uh, and you know I was the only if I was lucky there might have been another, one more Polish person there but majority of people were you know Middle Eastern Lebanese uh, Asian 
and um, and there was you know a couple of Australians, um, and then me, you know, and and so you know it was it was a lot of that, you know, thinking process of, you know, how do I fit in, you know, what's my how do I bring my cultural heritage into my life and and so that I feel important and you know as I think about it now it was tough simply because when you've got such diverse groups of you know large amount of people from different certain parts of the world and then you're the only one you kind of feel isolated so you kind of you you try to fit in you try to you know um, be like other people so that you're accepted Um, and so I have to say that, you know, growing up in Sydney and living in Lakemba, then we moved to Belfield, which was not far from a suburb called Stratfield, if you haven't heard of, heard of it. But just, um, you know, growing up in this multicultural society, um, definitely the immature mindset of, of not understanding how to be grateful for, you know, the country that... I was born in and and a lot of the people that I grew up with definitely even though you were born in Sydney or in Australia you still didn't consider yourself Australian you know you always considered yourself like when I was growing up I always was more connected to the Polish culture I was always saying that I'm Polish I'm not Australian even driving my cars you know I I had a lot of different cars over the you know, teenage years, not teenage years, but, you know, once I got my license and and then um, my first car was, you know, a Ford EA Falcon that was manual, it was lowered, had rims, and um, and, and I had a Polish flag hang, hanging off the, uh, off the mirror, you know. So the whole, you know, it was cool to not be Australian, you know, and, um, and so I actually, you know, dealing with that kind of... Um, you know, challenge to, to find my identity and to to try to fit in. And, you know, I didn't want to be like, like others, like I wasn't trying to be, you know, Lebanese, but I wanted to own that, that fact that I'm also not Australian, you know, and that was something that definitely connected with me. And it was cool to not be Australian, which, which I look at that now and I'm like, damn, like, I feel sorry for all the, 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 the true blue Aussies out there that got picked on, you know, because really, like, you were looked down upon when we were growing up with all my friends. If you were Aussie, you were not cool. And I think about it now, and I'm like, man, that's so dumb. That's so stupid, you know? Like, why were we paying out Aussies when, like, we live in one of the best countries in the world? You know, it's one of the safest countries. The weather is just immaculate all the time. Blue skies. Yeah, we've got a bit of a drought at the moment. But geez, like we're so blessed to be here, yet we were just putting it down all the time. And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, eventually you you kind of grow up and, and you start to see things from a different perspective. And you start to actually realize how lucky and blessed and grateful, uh, you know, I am to be born in such an amazing country with so much opportunity to really uh, live an amazing quality of life. Um, You can live a mediocre life, you can live a very comfortable life, or you can really, really push yourself 
um, as I am to, you know, chase your dreams, follow your dreams, you know what I mean? And, and make your life extraordinary. Um, the choice is yours. And so, uh, so I grew up in Lakemba. Um, I still have contact with a lot of my Lebanese friends through Facebook, but I, you know, I, I'm absolutely so con consumed with my uh, journey now of my life um, that I just don't have time for anyone at the moment because I'm so invested in myself. But, uh, you know, I'll move forward to, you know, a point where I was, uh, some pinnacle points that, that I can uh, allow you to connect with that you may resonate with that will allow you to understand that what you went through doesn't equal your destiny, doesn't equal your future. You can change it. You have the power, you have the mind, you have the consciousness to eliminate all those bullshit stories that you've been telling yourself as to why you cannot achieve abundance, why you cannot achieve greatness, why you cannot be the best version of yourself, why you cannot get that job, why you cannot get that dream. Um, and so uh, at the age of about 14, I remember living in Belfield and I just, I really, really, really wanted to play soccer. And I went to my mother and I said, mum, I want to play for the Belmore soccer team, Belmore Eagles. And uh, her response to me was, I'm sorry, Luke, or Wukash, as she would call me. You're too skinny. And if you go and play on the field, the other kids are going to break your bones. And see, I mean, I already had this perception of myself that I was very, very like skinny, anorexic, if you want to call it that, lanky. Um, I, already, I already kind of felt that difference in me compared to other people. But when my mother said that to me, it basically kind of re-emphasized the fact that that's what I looked like, that that's who I was, that I wasn't good enough. And that's how I felt. I really felt like I wasn't good enough, you know. And, and you know, my mother was, you know, there's four children. I've got three older sisters. And she, my mum was really busy, you know. My dad was a taxi driver and, and he was working seven days a week, you know, to provide. And it was tough for my mother because really what you think, I think about it now and I'm like, you know what, mum, like maybe you needed to nurture me a little bit and say, hey, you know what, maybe in a couple of years, like at the moment, I think it's not good for you, but you know, we're going to find something else for you to do or some other sport that, that will be better for you or whatever. But no, it was just a straight, no, you can't play soccer because you're too skinny. And if you go on the field, the kids, other kids are going to break your bones. And so from that point on, I was really, really self-aware and, you know, my self-esteem was just rock bottom. My self-confidence was rock bottom. And, you know, I began to like wear baggy clothes all the time. I began to, uh, you know, steal money from my mom or from my dad when they would like leave it in certain parts of their room, I would find it. And, um, and I guess I started doing things. I even started drinking. I remember I was like only 15 and I started drinking with some friends and, um, and my mum was away. And then she came home at like 11 o'clock and she called me and, and I was like, oh, I'm just in the backyard. And, and then I come in and I was like drunk because of this cask of wine that we'd drunk in the, in the park in the backyard. Cause I lived behind, I lived, had a, I lived next to a church, which had a massive school in the backyard. 
And then there was a fence, Cook's River in Belfield, and there was a fence that you could get through to this park where there was a seat and we were drinking this cask of wine. And, uh, and so I came back in and I was absolutely gone. I was smashed and I was only 15 years old, really, you know, skinny and the alcohol just went straight to my head. <laughs> but I got back home and, and I couldn't handle it. I went straight into the bathroom and I vomited all over the you know sink. And, and I remember um, opening the window because I didn't want my mum to see. And I was like, damn, gotta get this vomit out. Doesn't want to go down the, doesn't want to go down the sink. Um, and that, that whole night was a write-off. I was wrecked, you know, and, and then my grandmother was looking after me. But I started to do things that were attention-seeking activities, I would call them, you know. And, um, and, and so I, I continued to do things from that point on. You know, I'd wear baggier clothes. I'd wear bigger jumpers so that I wouldn't look so skinny. I, I, uh, at my first opportunity, as soon as I got my driver's license, I bought a car, even though I didn't have the money. I went straight to the bank. Uh, I was working in a market research company uh, as a you know market research and a uh, person who's on the phone um, and calls people and annoys people, <laughs> you know, um, and does surveys. And so with that job allowed me to go to the bank and and I went to the bank and they gave me a five thousand dollar loan and then I bought this car. And so the car as well was like this, it was just like, I wanted it because I wanted attention. I can, it was hundred percent. Like it, I felt like it made me look good, you know, because in my mind I was like, okay, you know, if I have a nice car, then I'm going to pick up nice chicks or girls are going to like me. And so really it was, it was more so a confidence booster. It, it gave me confidence. It, it made me feel empowered. It made me feel like, you know, if people see me in this car, then, uh, you know, they're going to like me. You know, my physical appearance is not going to be that obvious. They're not going to look at me and go, oh, look at that skinny dude, you know. But they're going to look at the car and go, oh, that's a cool car. Who's that guy? You know, and so that went on because after that, I bought a more, I, I, I lost like, I spent like $10,000 because that car just kept breaking down on me. But from that car, I, I got another car which was more reliable. Luckily, I had an amazing brother-in-law and he sold me his Toyota Starlet, which again, same thing. I put white rims on it. I lowered it. I um, I put a stereo system in it, you know, and, and it was all about, uh, you know, looking cool, you know, looking cool. And so... From from that, I then got rid of that car and it was another sports car and it just went on and on and on and I ended up spending thousands of dollars on, on cars because I enjoyed uh, the attention. You know, it, it really made me forget about the fact that I was this tall, lanky, white dude with blonde, parted hair, you know. So... Um, yeah, that was, that was like my teenage years growing up. And, and so I was kind of lost. I was working at McDonald's and I remember working there and, and I was, I, I remember being bullied by this, by this, um, by this guy and, uh, and being bullied was not something that I got bullied all the time, but it was part of my growing up. Like I got bullied on the train. I got bullied at work, you know, I got called lanky, skinny, um, 
horse legs, even like, like that was more recent. But, you know, um, most of the time when, when people, what I noticed is when they, when they call you a name, it may come from their own insecurities. It may come from the fact that, um, you know, they have some parts of their own self-esteem or their own, uh, you know, personality that they haven't healed yet and they want to inflict pain on someone else or it, they may just be saying it as a joke. And the thing is, uh, from my experiences, I know that, you know, when someone says things as a joke, most of the time they mean it. But um, but sometimes there are genuine circumstances where when someone says something to you that's derogatory or it's in a negative um, way, they're just joking and they don't mean to hurt your feelings. But unfortunately, with myself and with the way that I'm conscious about how I look and my representation of what is normal and what people, how people perceive me, I was very aware of that. And so when someone would call me a name, it would, it would hurt me. And, uh, and I had to deal with that for a long time, you know? So, um, that's one reason I think why I have so much compassion for the world, why I have so much compassion for people, because, I'm not that guy that will look at you and find a fault in your physical appearance or with your face or with your legs or whatever it is and then have the audacity to call you a name or judge you for the way that you look or for the way that you dress or whatever it is that you, you know, that may be different about you because automatically I know what it feels like. And, and it's crazy that there are people out there that, that uh, don't even realize that. They just think that uh, it's all good, man. Just, you know, you can call someone, um, you can call someone a name and, and uh, it doesn't matter. You know, I remember even in recent times I was working at Service New South Wales as a driver tester, uh, which I quit in December, 2018. And there was a there was a, a, a staff member who um, said something to me about my weight, and she said, "Oh, you've lost weight." And like the one thing that I hate, and that's why I love going to the gym, you know, because I was like, "All right, I'm pretty skinny and lanky. If I go to the gym, I'm going to bulk up. You know, I want to get big." And so I remember her, this lady saying something to me about oh, you've lost weight. And it's happened other times where people have been like, oh, have you, have you lost weight? And I'm just like, man, no, I haven't. I'm the same. And and I always just, you know, unless I was really obese or I was like 110 kilos and then I, I, I lost it because I wanted to lose it, that's a different story. But, you know, me being me, every time someone would be like, oh, you look like you've lost weight. If someone would say something to me about, about my weight, automatically, like my my body and my soul just reacts to that in a negative way. Like I'm being judged, you know, and I, even though they may be saying it in a positive way, like, Oh my God, you lost weight. You look so good. I'm like, no, I don't want you to say that. I'm freaking, you know, I am the way that I am. I'm not trying to lose weight. I'm just trying to be, you know? And so my physical appearance and my weight and, you know, my judging of myself, you know, really affected my uh, confidence, my self-esteem, um, and I battled that, hence why I've been talking about it for a few minutes now. Um, but I know that there are so many other people out there, you know, whether it's in Australia or around the world, 
um, that, that deal with low self-esteem, deal with low self-confidence, deal with that self-consciousness about your body because you don't look like the supermodels or the you know really fit dudes on Instagram or on social media or on YouTube or at the gym, you know? And it really, really is tough. I mean, you can be overweight and be happy. It doesn't mean just because you're 100, 100 kilos. As long as you're doing what you feel is right for you and you feel healthy and, you know, that's the way you want to be, well, you got to get comfortable with that and you got to accept yourself for who you are. And, uh, and you know, it's taken me a long time to actually um, get to this point right now uh, in this first episode to, to really, really be connecting more and more with myself and accepting myself for who I am and not judging myself for my appearance and the way that I look because what what what's happening is if you allow other people's opinions of you to judge the way that you feel about yourself and if you look in the mirror and you're like oh I wish my ass was a little bit bigger or you know um, I wish my arms were, were a bit thicker and stronger and whatever um, you're allowing that reality you're allowing that perception you're allowing that opinionated judgment to affect your life to govern your life to control your life like that's what you're doing right and and that's just like absolutely absurd that you would allow the world you would allow social media you would allow the magazines you would allow um you know instagram and facebook and your friends people around you to control the way that you feel because that's what's happening right as soon as someone says oh no you look you're geez you're a bit skinny you need to eat a bit as soon as someone says that to you automatically you're on the defense well i was anyway i was like oh shit i need to eat more but when i was younger man i didn't i didn't like it I mean, my mom would give me food but i just didn't want to eat it i don't know i just didn't eat much and, and when i did eat that's why and i used to eat so much that i just never put on weight and so, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been challenging, but eventually, you know, um, eventually I was blessed to have evolved the way that I have to live the life experience that I have so that I can now use this gift of communication and my experiences of what I've dealt with to now shine my light so that I can support and help others out there who may be dealing th through similar situations especially with physical appearance especially with being judged for the way that you look um, because you're not as sexy or because you're not as tall or because you're short or you know whatever the case may be um, you know I'm here to allow you to reconnect with yourself to disconnect yourself be more self-aware of your environment so that you can really really start to own your life because for so long i was not owning my life i was living in this bubble of observation of what everybody else is doing and not knowing you know myself not owning myself not loving myself you know and and loving yourself is is really a powerful powerful uh, way 
which you can actually connect with your inner being and uh, and grow in confidence and um, and belief for you to really accept yourself for who you are no matter what you look like you know because I truly believe that it is everything that is projected outwards is from within and when you start to realize that you know um, the some of the people that I've been able to meet throughout this social media journey has just been incredible um, and the 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 mindset the the heart the the everything like physical appearance is really just external but I mean even me speaking like I'm talking now and where's that coming from? That's coming from my mind. That's coming from my experience. That's coming from my heart. It's coming from my soul. It's coming from inside me. So when you're able to look at life on that perspective and um, and forget about the whole materialistic world, forget about what jeans you're wearing or what bag you got or what watch you have to wear or you know having to worry about what your friends are wearing and all that kind of shit, what kind of car you're driving... Um, that shit doesn't matter. What matters is what you have to give. You know? Like, there's nothing more attractive than speaking to someone, especially for me, you know, because I love my women. Um, <laughs> I love I love connecting with women that have powerful mindsets. Like, I'm, I'm more aware with... Um, you know, I've had my fair share of relationships, but now when I connect with someone, especially if it's a female, I'm just very, very cautious of who I spend my time with and whether or not that person is going to add value to my life. You know, and when I connect with someone who has an awesome mindset, who has dreams, goals, visions, and wants to achieve stuff, then it's exciting. I get excited. I'm like, yes, I want to talk. So it kind of, Obviously, physical attraction in terms of, you know, being with the right person, relationships, you want to connect with someone who's similar to you and you want to be attracted. And I'm not saying that physical attraction is is to be, you know, totally um, something that you just forget about because you don't, you, you know, you get attracted to something that you like, obviously. But personality is so important. Mindset is so important. You know, you can be with the hottest chick, but she may be absolutely annoying and not on your uh, intelligence level she may be vibrating on a really low frequency and uh, and eventually the looks will fade and if she doesn't have that personality and those characteristics that connect with your vibe then you're just going to waste your time and uh, you know it really really is something that I value and it's it's truly important definitely uh, it's a part of maturing, a part of growing up. I completely understand that. But moving forward, um, it's, you know, when I talk about it now, I'm just like, I'm looking at my computer and I'm like 27 minutes. I'm like, damn, I've been talking about myself, but I think about my life and I'm like, wow, there's so much to talk about. If I've been talking about whatever I've been just talking about, my weight, physical appearance, loving yourself for that, I mean, there's this you know, I can go on and on. And I just never, ever believed that this was possible. You know, one thing for me, because of my low self-confidence, uh, I definitely was 
going through these different experiences with uh, with drugs. You know, I, I did go through uh, using ecstasy and MDMA and marijuana and um, what, what was that other one? Um, definitely cocaine. That was a big part of my... Uh, that was a big part of my uh, journey and life experience. But there was uh, ketamine, 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 whatever the hell that shit is. But yeah, I did I did use a lot of different uh, experiments with, uh, well, not experiments. They were, I was freaking using them all the time. Like every weekend we were going out to King's Cross or to the clubs in Sydney and we were taking ecstasy and just doing it, you know. It was, we weren't even conscious of the reason why we were doing it, it was just that because it felt so good, it just became normal and like, yeah, yeah, bro, we're going to take some pills and, and go and party. But when I think about it now, I'm like, you know what, like ecstasy, MDMA, cocaine, um, those drugs, especially and with alcohol as well. Um, and given my conscious, you know, self-awareness of my physical appearance and the fact that I didn't love myself and that I knew that I was really skinny I didn't have that confidence and I had really low self-esteem. And so I, um, I needed that. Like that saved me a lot because that gave me so much confidence. And this is not to say that I'm here doing this podcast to tell the youth or to tell young people that they should go and use drugs because it'll make them confident. The point of really you know, speaking with this open mind is is to allow people, you know, once they hear my full message, is that when you live through these experiences, I'm able to share these kind of stories and I'm able to give you an insight as to how you can grow your confidence, how you can love yourself, how you can not worry about what people think of you and what society expects of how you're supposed to look or how you should look, you know. There are ways of loving yourself, of not judging yourself, of believing in yourself, um, and and really, really just being accepting of who you are. And it is tough. It's very tough, you know. I've, uh, I think about when I was 24 or 23, or, you know, and, and there was no like conscious awakening then. It was just kind of going with the flow. But for, for that period from leaving school, you know, another big thing um, was that I finished school. I was in trouble all the time. I was stealing phones from people's bags. I got suspended a couple of times. I didn't like school, but... I didn't know what to do. I didn't go to university. I didn't like studying. And that's a big, big thing for me that, you know, I got caught with, uh, you know, most of my friends that I would hang around with, everyone went to university, you know, and so I felt less of a person again. So that even made me feel more worse that I did not study. I didn't like it. I don't like reading, you know, and for a long time from my, you know, from 18, finishing school and to, to being 33 years old, which was last February at this certain point that I didn't know what the fuck to do. Like, you know, I finished school. I started working with my brother-in-law. We had a, you know, family business selling perfumes online. And, um, and so I was really confused for a long, long time. 
And I always thought about it like, who am I and what is my purpose here in life? Like, what is my gift? What is it that I'm supposed to be doing? You know? Um, and it was hard because a lot of my friends around me, um, not to mention that my parents moved to Newcastle back when I was 18 and then I had to live with my sisters from that point on. So I didn't live at home and I wanted to stay in Sydney, which I did. But a lot of my friends got to live at their fam- with their parents in their parents' house, didn't have to pay rent. And they all, most of them went to university and uh, they got degrees. And then after those degrees, they got themselves decent jobs. And, you know, there I was just, you know, in debt because of these cars. And uh, and one thing as well, mentioning the cars, I used to love playing pokies, poker machines, slot machines, whatever you may call them in your country. Going to the pub and losing my whole pay, $800 every time I'd get paid from a market research place. Every Friday, me and my mates, we would go to the AB in Glebe and we would pump those machines and drink and, and lose all our money. You know, so I was in debt a lot. I was in a lot of debt and and so you know it was difficult in my 20s because being in so much debt you know and getting paid $500 a week like 20,000 30,000 40,000 debt getting paid 500 bucks a week like and then you have to pay 100 bucks rent and you have to pay for petrol and you have to pay for your phone and like 500 bucks, like it was nothing, you know? And obviously there were people earning more than me. And so I was just like on survival mode, but at the same time, you know, just living that life experience and, and always kind of wondering because I did feel lost for such a long time. Um, so it was tough. I felt the pain. I felt the insecurity of myself and... Um, And at the same time, dealing with the uncertainty of, you know, wanting to meet the right girl as well. And, you know, growing up with three older sisters and uh, and they were all married through my 20s and uh, and and being the youngest of three older sisters, I felt the pressure from my family. I felt the pressure of just life. Even all my friends around me were most of the time everybody had a girlfriend. And so I just I hadn't met the right one. And so all of a sudden, you know, coming to 27 years old, here I have my dad saying, you know, come on, Luke, you're getting old, man. You've got to get married. When are you going to meet the right girl? And then I got my grandma saying the same thing. Come on, Luke, when are you going to get married? And so the pressure, you know, the cultural expectation of society, of your family, of, you know, time is ticking. You need to hurry up. You need to get married. You have to have kids. You have to buy a house. All that, you know, fairy tale lifestyle that, that you know, a lot of us dream of doing. And, uh, and that really screwed my mind as well because it was not happening for me. And I even had doubts in my mind of, you know, am I ever going to meet that dream girl? Am I ever going to meet that one that, that I really love, that loves me as much as I love her? Because a lot of my relationships was just me excessively loving on the on the girl that it was just too much because I just wanted it so bad. And and that was painful because I had a couple of relationships where I loved them so much. And then after like two or three months, they just disappeared. They couldn't handle it. It was too much. They weren't ready and whatever. Um, but that was hard growing up. 
as being the youngest because the pressure was on for me to get married and it didn't happen, you know? Um, so, damn, there's just so much to tell. <laughs> this is crazy. Um, but yeah, moving from there, I'll just, I'll go into one major, major story that has impacted my life that uh, I hope inspires other people not to give up. And I am currently single. I'm 34 years old. I'm turning 35 in September on the 22nd. Love that number. Um, but I met a beautiful young South American girl in 2012 in the Piano Room Club in King's Cross. And, um, and I fell in love with her instantly. And uh, she was only here learning to speak English, but I was so, you know, you could say obsessed or um, just like I was so invested in her. Like I, that was my dream girl. Like I saw her and I was just like, oh my God, this is what I've been waiting for. And so we spent so much time together and, uh, you know, we hooked up so many times and, and, um, and then within a month, listen to this within one month this is how crazy i was i rang up my friend george and if you're listening to this george thank you so much for making that ring for me he i rang him my friend's a jeweler george i said george bro make me a ring because i want to marry this girl and so i um he made me the ring i think i, I gave him five grand for it at the time even though i was in debt man i was like i had a nissan skyline at the time lowered to the shit house and uh, it was like 31000 And as soon as um, $31,000, another, another loan, add to my debt. And, and so after a month, I took her to, um, I took her to Hunter Valley. Jeez, I'm memory loss. Hunter Valley. I took her to the Hunter Valley and then I proposed to her. And it was a pretty shonky proposal. Like we we're in a freaking bed and breakfast or a hotel, whatever. And like, I didn't really get on my knees. I got on my knees and laid a crop like onto the bed <laughs> and I got the ring and I was like, will you marry me? And I was so nervous, you know what I mean? But I did it and she said yes. And then she rang her mom, you know, overseas and she's like, oh yeah, you know, this has happened. And, and I was just like, wow, I did it. Okay, no problem. And like everyone around me, like all my friends were like, what the hell is this guy doing? Like after one month, you're asking this girl to marry you, you know, like, I was just so under pressure and I just so believed that that this was my dream girl and that I had to marry this woman. And because she was leaving back to overseas, she had to go home. I was like, I need to propose to her before she leaves so that, you know, there's something still connecting us. Like we have to stay together, you know. And, um, and so she ended up leaving. And then from that point on, I was like every night... You know, this was when I was still as a driver tester for roads and maritime services. Every night at 3 a.m. I was waking up to jump on Skype because the time zones were just so screwed up. I had to wake up at 3 a.m. to get on Skype so that I could talk to her for like 20 minutes just to keep the love alive, just to keep that connection alive, just to keep that communication going and that belief that, you know, we are a couple, we're together, we're going to do this, we're going to get married. And so I continued that on and there were so many stressful days because sometimes I couldn't get a hold of her. Sometimes she was working, sometimes she was studying to be a lawyer. 
um, and you know she came from quite a quite a wealthy family as well so she had a good life there but the communication was so hard and it was so stressful because I'd be running from Lidcom RTA to the computer store um, around the corner I don't know what they're called what they're called internet cafes so that I could jump on the internet cafe and call her on Skype and then I couldn't get in, in touch with her and that was the most excruciating, stressful, painful feeling, knowing that I could not communicate with this girl that I loved so much that I wanted to marry, you know. Um, and I did that like continuously for like seven months. And eventually I, we started to plan the wedding and I was like, okay, let's get married in Colombia. And she was like, yes. And, um, and then we, we, we got everything planned. I sold my car, the Nissan that I had, which was like my, one of my favorite favorite cars Nissan GT350 and um, it was I sold it for 21,000 so in the space of six months I lost $12,000 because I could not find someone to buy it and uh, and I just wanted to get rid of it so um, I lost that money but I used the money to then pay for the wedding all these visa applications and everything that I had to do for her to move to Australia and I believed in it like I was just I was on a mission you know what I mean? I was on a mission to make this work. I didn't give a shit what anyone thought, you know? And uh, and so we planned this wedding. I, I um, invited my cousins and my uncle from Poland to come to Colombia. I got my dad and my sister and my niece to come as well. And it was one week before our departure. And I'm on Skype with her and she's crying and she's looking at me and we're talking and she's like, Luca, I can't do this. I don't want to marry you. I don't want to get married. And like, I think my heart like just fell out of my body or something because I just didn't know what to do with myself. Like I was just like as if I'd been stabbed in the heart with a knife. And it was like the amount of energy and effort that I put in you know, to, to get the money, to organize everything, to send these papers away for immigration, for the visas, for waking up every day at 3 a.m., you know, working overtime on the weekend. It was just like, I was just like, I could not believe what she was saying to me. And then I came to a realization. I said, you know what? Like, screw this. I, I said to her, you know what? I don't care. I said, I'm coming. I said, we've all paid for our tickets and I'm coming to have a holiday if you don't want to marry me. And that's, you know, pretty much what happened. But I remember even more so how much I didn't give a shit and I didn't care what anyone thought. I remember my brother-in-law, Vlad, he's like, bro, give me the ring. You're not taking the ring. And I was like, piss off, man. I'm taking the ring. And so, um, you know, I didn't care. Like I didn't, you know, he was right though. I should have given, gave him the ring because that, I don't know what happened to that ring. She, you know, she, she said that she lost it. And uh, when I gave it to her, when I got there and I don't know what happened, but you know, he was right. But you know, that's the thing in life. You know, sometimes people can see things that you can't see because, you know, love is blind and it's so true, you know, because you're just blinded by the love so much because you want it, but you, you just, you don't have the right contact lenses on you know you're not you're not aware yet you haven't grown yet you don't know who you are and so you get lost in that and I definitely did get lost you know so we went to Colombia 
and um, even my family got there from Poland and I had to give them the, the bad news. And, and so that was a really, really, really tough, challenging, challenging uh, moment in my life that was disappointing and, um, and, and I was really hurt, you know. It hurt me for a long, long time, you know. I, I stopped talking to her and uh, she tried to reach out to me over the last five years. But it made me realize that everything happens for a reason. And it made me realize that life is happening for you, not to you. And the moment that you start to realize that everything is happening for a reason, you start to be more conscious and more aware that uh, even though sometimes things may happen that are hurtful and that are painful and that don't make sense, eventually you'll understand why that happened. And I wasn't meant to marry her. I wasn't meant to be with her. I wasn't meant to have children with her. I was meant to go through that experience. I was meant to feel that pain so that I could grow, so that I could become wiser, so that I could be sitting here today speaking to you and telling you that just because you haven't met the right person yet, or just because you're getting divorced, or just because you're alone, that everything's happening to you for a reason. And what's meant to be should not be forced, it should happen naturally. And so what this has allowed me to do, not being in a relationship now for the last 12 months or 13 months, I'm absolutely loving it. But uh, this is for all the single people out there, all the people that feel alone or that they feel like, you know, I can't find the right person. Use this time in your life to invest in yourself. Use this time in your life not to compare yourself with others, because remember that no one else is living your life. No one else is going to give you the life that you want. You need to do it yourself. You are the creator. You are the designer. You are the author of your autobiography. You are holding the pen and you need to write the next page, the next chapter. You know, in the moment you start to own that and invest in yourself and stop feeling pressured because other people are in relationships or are married or are having kids and you're like, oh my God, I'm 33 or I'm 34, I'm getting old. Your life is not meant to be like other people's lives. And I accept and surrender to the fact that I am different. And that's what makes me perfect. And so being through that for me was adversity. That was challenging. That was hard. Because I wanted it so much. I gave so much energy. But it didn't happen. But anyway, I'm going to talk about so much other shit like on the next episodes and all that kind of stuff. But what I'm going to do right now is I connected with a lot of my social media followers through Facebook and through uh, Instagram. And I've got some questions that I've been asked from some of my followers. And I'm going to go through and answer those questions for you. So if you're listening still, then I appreciate you. And I hope that I can give you more value than you expected. So the first question is uh, from one of my Instagram followers, Jonesy Thompson, and uh, it's at Jonesy Thompson. And her question is, do you have a strict morning routine? And I know as I've been on this journey of, you know, you could call it entrepreneurship. We don't hear that so much in Australia. It's more of an American term, definitely 
But as I've been connecting with social media and, uh, you know, I have my mentors and people who I listen to and, and listen to podcasts or entrepreneurs that I follow, everyone, a lot of the successful elite talk about having a morning routine, talk about getting up early, going to the gym, meditating, uh, having a healthy breakfast uh, and whatever it is, whatever, whatever else there is, you know, reading half an hour of reading a book. And, uh, and Jonesy, to answer your question, like to be blunt, I don't have a strict morning routine. You know, I, I'm still driving as a chauffeur driver in the morning and I go to the air. I get up every day at around 4.30 in the morning. I, the only one thing that I do that kind of stands out is at the end of every shower, I turn on the cold water, maybe five or 10 seconds. And I just stand there and I'm just like, you know what? Wash off consciously all of the negativity and any toxicity that's, uh, that's on my body or that's within me and just get rid of it. And I kind of say that to myself and, and in my mind, um, at the moment, yeah, you know what? I probably could have a better morning routine, but I'm just so focused and driven at the moment that you know, once I get changed and I go downstairs, I have a uh, a really healthy nutritional shake that I have, um, and I cook my three eggs. I put them in my lunchbox, and then uh, I bring another shake with me, and I take that and I jump in the car and I head to my first pickup. So. I'm always on the road at around 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. So I'm, I get up very early every morning. But um, and then obviously in my car, I'm either speaking to someone who's adding value to my life on the phone uh, in terms of mindset and a certain level of intellect uh, that I vibe with that's vibrating on my frequency that I connect with really deeply or I'm listening to podcast while I'm driving. So that's pretty much my morning routine. Um, and yeah, I mean, I. I, I, I have meditated, I have read books, I don't like reading books, that's not for me right now. Um, and uh, the whole meditation thing, I know that people, a lot of people do, a lot of people connect with it. Um, and, uh, you know, what I feel is, uh, you know, this journey for me, it's really about owning what feels right for you and what you connect with and what you vibe with. You know, one thing that I've learned is, uh, that, you know, you may be watching a speaker or, you know, it could be Trent Sheldon, could be Ed Milet, could be Tony Robbins. Um, and they may be saying that this is what they do on in the morning, right? And, and because they've reached that certain level of success, a lot of people kind of look at that and they're like, oh, okay, so if I do that, I'm going to, I can be like him, you know? And, and one thing I've realized is that I kind of follow my own intuition and my own, um, you know, thought process and feeling of what feels right for me, you know, and especially with the whole reading thing, like everyone's like, oh, I read books, the more books that you read, the, the more power that you're going to have because you have more knowledge. And obviously with social media now and YouTube and Instagram and, and uh, Spotify and iTunes, you know, you can listen to podcasts, you can add value to your a day by uh, what you consume by listening, you don't have to read. But I just never connect with reading. I've never been a one to sit down and just read. Um, so I hope that answers your question. Um, but, you know, it's just about owning you and not worrying about what other people are doing and what things work for other people because it may not work for you. So just own that. Um, so I've got another question from um, Carolyn Groth from Germany. And she's been following me on, on Instagram for some time now. She is amazing. She always puts these uh, incredible um, emojis like sunflowers and love hearts and and all this 
kind of like like 20 different emojis whenever whenever I post something she always puts that there and uh, she's also a Reiki healer which is interesting I, I don't know much about that but it's some sort of energy healing and she does that too which is cool um, and she, her question is what are your feelings towards thinking back on my first time starting Instagram slash social media so you know, what I take from that question is, you know, when I first started social media, it was Instagram. I mean, I've been on Instagram for, you know, a few years before I started speaking. And it was, you know, pretty much just like gym pictures, me me being at the gym, um, you know, and um, and some, some, some quotes, you know, there were quotes. So like it was already in me, this whole motivational aspect of, of who I was, you know, my personality. But you know, the whole speaking thing uh, wasn't there, you know, so I was posting stuff on Instagram and it was only until I quit my job uh, from Service New South Wales as a driver tester on the 21st of December 2018, uh, where I said to myself, and now I'm going to attack social media. And, uh, and that's exactly what I did. I jumped on Instagram and I started doing videos and, and, um, you know, it was just that one first video that I did that kind of, you know, got me started. Um, and in that video I talk about, I remember it exactly too. It was, it was, I was talking about that. It just takes that one decision in your life that can change absolutely everything, you know? And I talked about stop running around in circles and following everybody else, turn right and create your own road and leave a trail. And I remember that video because that was my first video. And if you go down onto my Instagram page at Luke mind power, you can find that video. Um, it's my first one and it's exactly what I say. And then, you know, it's not about the quality, it's about the content, you know, about what I say. So I didn't know how to use Instagram or how to use the stories or how to do the lives and all that kind of stuff. And I just jumped in, I jumped in the deep end and I started swimming and learning as I, as I went. You know, I love the phrase uh, from one of my mentors, Mandy, and she, uh, she says, how do you eat an elephant? And, uh, I was like, how? And she's like, one piece at a time. And I just love that because it's so true, man. Like, you don't need to know it all. You just need to start. You don't have to be great to start, but you have to start if you want to be great. So just start. So if you've got something that you're thinking about doing, man, start doing it. Start doing things on the side so you can build it up and learn and and, and just, uh, you know, eventually it'll take over your day job or whatever it is that you're trying to do. Um, but yeah, hope that answers your question, Carol. Thank you so much for your love. Um, my third question comes from Christina Garcia at Christina Garcia with a K. Have you ever thought of opening community centers and not just speaking? Uh, Christina, absolutely. You know, my, my next um, course of action with what I'm doing once I, you know, get myself completely all over social media, which is what I'm doing at the moment and getting my podcast up and running and all that kind of stuff, uh, I will be reaching out to community centers. Um, and one of them, actually, I have a card here. It is from Youth of the Streets, Father Chris Riley. And um, that is a place that I'm going to call and I'm going to offer my services. So I'm going to speak. I'm going to offer my services to speak at different community centers around Sydney. So if there is anybody listening from Sydney uh, that requires a speaker or that would like some motivation or inspiration at one of their meetups, uh, please reach out to me. You can send me a direct message on my Instagram or even on my Facebook. Um, you can easily contact me. I do read all my messages, so that's not a drama. Um, or you can just jump on my website, uh, lukemindpower.com. 
and contact me um, that way. But um, but in terms of opening my own community centers, that's definitely something that uh, you know is down further down the track for me. At the moment, uh, it really is all about building relationships, connecting with people, and building a network of uh, you know of of the community and building a network of people um, that I connect with because I truly believe you know your network is your net worth, and uh, sometimes it's not what you know, it's who you know. So. Um, Christina, I'm, I'm definitely down for doing something like that. I do want to give back and I want to make a difference in the communities because I believe there's a lot of kids out there, whether it's female or male, that may have gone through uh, similar or maybe dealing with similar situations of, you know, being bullied or being called names or being really self-conscious, low self-esteem, low self-confidence um, growing up. And I just want to give them the, uh, the light that, uh, you know, I went through it too. I know what it feels like and, and it's okay. And just, you know, to make them more self-aware that, you know, they don't have to listen to these people and they don't have to take that bullshit, you know? Um, so the next question, I hope that answers your question, Christina. Thanks so much for asking. Um, the next question is the realsweetheart.ec. Um, she's amazing. She's one of my followers from Instagram as well. I think she's from Ecuador. And uh, her question is, how is Luke Mindpower as a human being in person? And uh, that's an amazing question, you know what I mean? Because like a lot of times when you see on social media or on, um, you know, Facebook or YouTube, whatever, uh, even on TV, you know, you see celebrities or you see people and uh, you think to yourself, wow, that person really looks cool or whatever. And you wonder to yourself, like, I wonder what that person's like in real life, like if you met them. And, uh, you know, I just want to, to, um, to let you know uh, the real sweetheart.ec that, um, you know, I'm very humble. I'm very, uh, compassionate. I have a really compassionate nature. I, uh, I really live with an open mind and, um, and I'm really the type of person that does not judge. I don't care what religion you are. I don't care where you come from. Um, you know, for me, you're a human being. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it works both ways that, you know, when you show me respect, I give you respect back. You know, when you give, giving starts the receiving process. Um, and, and so I, I'm, I'm really sincere. And, um, you know, yes, when you see me on social media, I'm very uh, motivational. I'm very empowering. I'm very positive and, and I, you can feel my energy, you know. But in person, you know, I'm really um, kind, compassionate, sincere, genuine. And, and uh, I don't try to overpower my characteristics or my, uh, you know, personality over anyone, you know, I'm not better than anyone. I am just me. I'm just Luke Mindpower, you know, and, um, and I, I just do not project that kind of a persona to try to be better than anyone else. And, um, and I, I know that there are people out there that, you know, whatever it is and whatever they've dealt with when they were growing up, they have that persona. They do want to be better than other people, you know? And, uh, and my, my way of thinking is I just want to be the best version of myself. I just want to be the best that I can be, um, and be my true authentic self because what I've learned that is when I am my true authentic self, that gives permission for others to then truly be authentic with themselves as well. And so that's something that I really, really love. Um, so if you do meet me in person, which I, I really, one thing I would love to meet all these people that I've been connected with through social media, that's one of my dreams. I would, 
you know, and, I, and I'm definitely going to make the effort. Um, but if you do meet me in person, you'll see that I'm telling the truth and that I'm a really peaceful, loving dude. Um, next question is uh, from Wilson Ryan. Um, he is another one of my followers from Instagram. And I actually did a podcast with him. It's called The Positivity Report. And uh, you can actually check that podcast out. Uh, it's on the link in my bio on Instagram if you want to have a listen to that. But he's uh, an amazing uh, young entrepreneur and an author as well. And his question is, why is it never too late to make a change in your life and to to change your life completely? Well, why is it never too late? Yeah, you know, because I, I, I have to connect with that and say, you know, I think there are a lot of people out there. You know, Gary V talks about this a lot as well. Um, and, you know, people get stagnant because they think, oh, I'm 40 years old, I'm getting old and life is over. Or I'm 52 and, you know, I'm still working at my Monday to Friday job and I, you know, there's nothing more out there for me. And, and that's absolute bullshit. Like, you think about it, right? If you're 40 years old, like majority of us are going to live to at least 80 or 85 or even 90. That's another 50 years. Like, are you telling me that you're just going to think that because you're 40, that for the next 50 years, you're going to do shit or you're going to keep working at Coles for the rest of your life? Or wherever it is that you're working, you know, and it's kind of like asking the question to yourself right now, being more self-conscious, self-aware and say, am I doing what I love? And if you're 40, 45, 50, answer that question. Am I doing what I love? And if you say no, then change it. You've got so much time. And if you're probably 50 and your kids are probably grown up, then you have even more time for yourself because you don't have to look after the kids because they're not young anymore. So you can focus on yourself and it just takes, like seriously, it takes a good five to 10 years to build something and to live and find that true abundance and that true fulfillment in life. You know, like for me, it's been 18 months since I've transformed my life, you know, and my vision is like for the next six, six years, you know, I see myself in six years traveling around the world, standing up and speaking on stages. It might happen quicker, but I'm not in a rush. Like there's so much time. It's the same thing as me worrying about getting a girlfriend or getting married, like and having kids, you know, surrendering to the fact as well that maybe I'm not meant to have kids. Maybe I'm not meant to get married. Maybe I'm meant to just travel and inspire. Who the fuck knows? You know what I mean? Like as soon as you can get rid of that ideology and that expectation of what society expects of you, of what your parents want, of what your sisters want, your brother, your uncle, your auntie, your grandmother, because they want you to get married, because they want you to have kids, because they want you to buy a house. And it's always they, they, they. And it's like, what about you? You are in control of your life. You're the one that needs to find that true fulfillment. You're not supposed to be doing things and living your life because other people expect that from you. You need to start owning your life. And that's why it's never too late to change because once you start connecting with who you truly are and start being unapologetic for making the right choices for yourself and not giving a shit about what anyone thinks of you, boom, that's where you start to really, really live and thrive and, and flourish in life because you start to really be you. You know, like follow your soul because your soul knows the way. And I always said, you know, follow your dreams because your dreams know the way. 
You know what I mean? Like what you seek is seeking you, Rumi. Amazing quote. I love that. Like think about that. What you seek is seeking you. And what I'm seeking is to impact the world. And I'm, I'm doing that. And it's coming back to me because I'm seeking. I'm, I'm asking the questions. I'm taking action. I'm talking. I would have never thought that I'd be doing a podcast, you know, at the end of August after me jumping on Instagram every single day doing lives. Now I'm on Facebook every single day doing lives. You know, I'm connecting with more people. But it's never too late, man. And I hope that answers your question, Ryan. Um, and I've got another question here from Karen from uh, Karen Harley from Facebook. And she asks, what is your purpose? And that's a pretty broad question. And, and there's two angles that you can take uh, from understanding that question. Now, the first angle is understanding that you are purpose. The fact that you're breathing, that you're alive, you are purpose. You have purpose, you know. So use your life and create your destiny. You're the captain of your destiny. You know what I mean? You are purpose in itself. If you were not purpose, then you'd be dead. So understanding that you are purpose, you are enough. You've got everything that it takes. You know, I truly believe that everybody out there, and if you're listening to this, everybody out there has a unique gift. Everybody out there is so distinctive and different, but it's just really about taking risks, trying different things, experimenting with yourself, because you just don't know when you're going to hit that sweet spot. When you hit that sweet spot and you're like, damn, I love doing this. I want to do this more. You know, had I not done the speaking course that I did last year in September through Mind Valley University, which is an online self-development educational platform. I did this course called Speak and Inspire, and it was run by a woman called Lisa Nichols. And she absolutely changed my life after this course, because this course just surrounded me with so many amazing individuals, and it got me out of my comfort zone. It made me confident. It enabled me to speak my truth. I was able to post videos on Facebook and I had people supporting me the whole time for this 30 days. And, um, and because of that, I started to fall in love with myself. I started to love speaking. And before that, I hated speaking. I was afraid to stand up. I'd be the guy at having a meeting at work and I'd be sitting in the boardroom and having a meeting and the, the facilitator would get up and go, okay, guys, uh, thanks to everyone for joining us. Before we start, how about we go around the room and we introduce ourselves? And as soon as they would say that, I'd be like, oh my God, I don't want to talk. I'm scared. I don't want to. And I think to myself, man, why the fuck are you scared of introducing yourself? Why are you scared of being you? Why are you scared of being seen, being heard? And so, you know, that was just the low self-esteem, low self-confidence, you know, being very conscious about myself and just not having confidence in myself, not believing in myself, you know, not owning me. And, and so the moment that I noticed that, you know what, doing what I'm afraid of, facing your fears is probably the most fulfilling feeling that you can ever experience when you do something that people say you can't do or when you do something that you've been afraid of. And I was afraid of speaking for so long. And, and it's, it's funny how they say, you know, sometimes the thing that will set you free is that fear. Sometimes doing what you're afraid of is that one thing that will set you free. And look what it did to me. 
it set me free. You know, I was always good with building relationships. I was always good with speaking to people and connecting with people, but I never knew that I could use this gift of communication to change people's lives. And so now that I've found my passion with speaking, my bigger purpose is to connect more with people from around the world that are also searching for their purpose, that are searching for their passion, and so that I can inspire them so that I can help them find their purpose, their passion in life. And so that's really, really a mission that I, I love. And I'm just, you know, connecting with people that I have from around the world. Um, it's been incredible. Um, and I just, I'm so excited for the future. Um, but in, in saying that, I have to give some gratitude to Miss Lisa Nichols. She has changed my life. If you don't know who that is, go on YouTube and see her videos and uh, she absolutely transformed my life. Um, there are other motivational speakers like Les Brown, uh, Ed Milet, Dean Graziosi, and uh, Trent Sheldon, Lewis Howes, um, Eric Thomas, my friend from New York, David Power Talk, who have just had such a major influence in my evolution. And I want to thank them. And I hope maybe one day they'll get to listen to this and know that I, you know, am grateful. Um, but also I want to thank the uh, people who have been supporting me on Instagram and on Facebook and my whole social media platform. I am on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat, um, YouTube, and um, where else? I don't know. Every social media platform. I can't say it off the top of my head. There's probably something that I missed. Uh, Twitter. That's it. I'm on Twitter as well. Um, so, you know, if you use any of those platforms, uh, if you follow me, I'll follow you back. I'm so grateful for everyone who's been supporting me over this journey, my father and my mother. I'm so blessed to have such amazing parents. Um, and even though it didn't make sense as to how they raised us and, and you know, they did the best that they could, uh, you know, in the time coming from, you know, Europe post-war, um, you know, uh, communism and, and all that bullshit. And so coming to Australia and living in the, the life that we have right now, it's really the best time, you know, especially with technology to be able to, you know, um, you know, take your hands, put them on the steering wheel and start being in control of your life and, uh, and using this technology to your, your, uh, your benefit, you know, because you can really make a difference if you're building a business or if you're, you know, using this for advertising or anything like that. Um, there's never been a better time to, to make an impact and you have the world at your fingertips in your hand. You have access to connecting with the world, which is just a blessing. Um, my sisters, uh, Caroline, Dorothy and Christine, I am so grateful. I have so much love for you and uh, you guys have continued to support me throughout my journey of life and even more so now with my transformation in the last 18 months that, um, you know, I'm, I'm even still living with one of my sisters, Dorothy and uh, her husband, Vlad, and their support is just incredible. And I'm just so humbled. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, the amount of giving that my family has given to me over the years, it's really, really, uh, you know, as well as, you know, doing whatever I'm doing for myself. But, uh, you know, just know that uh, I, I know everything and I remember everything that you do for me. And I love you very much. And, uh, you know, I definitely will give back very, very, very soon. And an absolute special mention to my brother-in-law, Andrew, and my 10 beautiful nieces and nephews. 
Um, but uh, I'm so grateful. And, uh, and, you know, for my friends that I grew up with, everybody that has made an impact in my life, especially my main man and biggest, uh, biggest supporter, Danilo Gravina, DJ Illos. I appreciate you, man. I love you. You really uh, have been a driving force in my journey. And, uh, and I'm so excited to, to continue to grow, evolve, um, and, uh, and do what I do and have you by my side too, man. So love you, bro. But anyway, that brings me to the closing of episode one. I hope that you enjoyed that. I'm sure that there's so much information there. You probably got questions and anything like that. Um, please jump on my Instagram or my Facebook. And if you have a question, please ask me. I will get back to you as soon as I can. Um, you can find me on all social media platforms. You can uh, find me on my website as well. If you want to hire me as a speaker or uh, contact me, there is uh, a contact uh, list uh, option there on my website, lukemindpower.com. And I am looking forward to getting to know you more. And, um, and also, if you have any comments or just generalizing about what I spoke about, uh, please uh, leave a comment uh, in the uh, comment field on YouTube or on the uh, Spotify or iTunes platforms. I'm still learning about all this process and, um, and <laughs> you know, it's crazy because I'm doing this and I, I got to obviously get it all on. And I'm not pretending, sitting here pretending like I'm a professional at this podcasting stuff, you know, it's all new and, and uh, you know, that's my transparency, transparency of, you know, showing you guys that, you don't have to be great to start, but you got to start if you want to be great. And, you know, learn as you go. And as, as I said before, how do you eat an elephant one piece at a time? This is Luke Mind Power signing off for the first episode of the Hustle and Motivate podcast series from Sydney, Australia. Much love, guys. Take care. And we will talk very, very soon and see you on episode number two.